scripture that was in, in the book uh, that uh, I like, uh, someone with a loud voice, good voice inflection, please read that to the class. Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 20. Proverbs 5, verses 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times, and always be enraptured with her love. For why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? Okay, so the Bible is very clear on well-meanings, right? No. What is this about? Go ahead, say it. Sexual relationship between a husband and a wife, how it's sacred. We shouldn't be... Uh, putting our vigor and our sexuality out to people in the streets, people that aren't in our marriage. And it is reserved for us, old or young, because it's reflecting back to the wife of our youth. Um, and it's spoken of in a, in a very loving way. You know, one of the things that we need to realize that it is the, all throughout the Bible, there's sexuality, right? And I think people would be surprised if you said that the Bible is full of it. People think that the Bible is prudish when it comes to talking about sexuality when we, we know that's not the case if we've actually been in Bible classes and we've actually studied the Bible. The book of Solomon or the Song of Solomon is all about the sacred relationship uh, and, and love uh, with regards to the marital relationship. Um, um, Proverbs we just read right here is talking about sex uh, uh, for the young and the old. Uh, the Old and the New Testament is full of sexual situations and, and good and bad both. So, so the Bible is actually just packed full of it, right? So we as Christians, if we dig into the Bible, should not be surprised to see that sexuality is all throughout the Bible. And, and it's spoken of. So we should expect the Bible not only to address sexuality because we are made sexual beings, our, our very anatomy is is of a sexual nature, the way that we are built. But we should look to it for beneficial guidance, commands, um, for our good, and how God would have us to glorify Him through the sexual relationship. He wouldn't build us a certain way, make us a certain way, uh, put certain cravings inside of us without guidance. And so that means that we should naturally look to the Bible for that. It's interesting that we as Christians, and Many of us might have been raised this way, or, or we look back, and, and, and uh, if you were to go up to an older person and you'd say, hey, I'd like to sit down and talk to you about sex, their eyes would get big, they, their heart would drop in their chest, because so many people view the word, just, just the word itself, as inappropriate, dirty, unclean, just the thought of it. It's something that is taboo, it's something that you don't talk about. But in the right context, we need to be careful not to call things dirty that God has called to be holy and good, right? We read that in the scriptures, not talking specifically about sex, but it specifically says, don't call things dirty that I've called clean. And all throughout the Bible, God talks about the beauty 
of marriage and the sexual relationship. You know, it is very rarely spoken of uh, from the pulpit. Um, it's very rarely spoken of even in private among friends. And a lot of times, even in marriages, it is very rarely spoken of. It's embarrassing. Um, say you have a young lady who has uh, lived her entire life as a virgin. She's, she's followed God. She was raised in that household where you know, sex was not talked about. And it's one of those things that maybe there was that short, brief conversation, the birds and the bees conversation. We didn't get too deep into it. But, hey, as a parent, I did my part. I talked about it. And then this young lady goes and gets married. And the young man, usually young men are a little bit more hard-charging in this area. We're, not, we're, we're adults here. The young lady is bashful and shy. And then they get into this marriage, and all of a sudden... He wants to talk about it. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. It's taboo. The marriage has already started off with a, a divide. It could be the other way. It could be the young lady has yearned for this her entire life, and the boy is bashful. But if it is not something that is openly talked about, the desires and the nature of it, and there's not clarity about it in a marriage, it could cause a void from the very beginning of the relationship. So we need to understand that it is good. It is holy. It is from God. I want to say this with a caveat, of course. <clears throat> All things need to be done with appropriateness, with the understanding of God's design, with regards to the sexual acts, the conversations. It all needs to be done holy because there are unclean aspects of it, of course, right? When it's done outside of the marriage, when it's done with a lack of respectfulness for the spouse, when it's done without love and kindness. I want to make sure that we understand that these are all things that we need to keep in our mind as we talk about this, because we're talking about just sex right now. But there's so many other things that go into that. Your spouse is your brother and sister in Christ. You are a servant to them. They are a servant to you. You should love them. You should put their needs and desires before yours. So, so we need to understand all the, those things go into that as we delve into it. But we need to understand, as we talk about the good side of it, there's the bad side of it. We can't understand how good and holy it is without understanding why it's important for us to understand it's good and holy and we need to um, have it be an active part of our marriage without understanding why we need to. And part of the reason why is sexual sin is all throughout the world. It is prevalent. We are marching, we are running towards Sodom and Gomorrah uh, with regards to our culture. Um, and to think that it is just something that people have to face today with regards to pornography, I'm sorry. Back in the day, they had pictures of David naked with all his business hanging out. That is modern-day, first-century pornography. They didn't have a printing press. They didn't have the Internet. We look at that and go, oh, that's beautiful art. No. That was pornography back in the day. In the sex temples, they had naked women statues. They had naked men statues. That was the pornography of the day. Nothing's new under the sun. There's no des desire that is new under the sun. Satan worked on people back then with regards to ungodliness and sexual perversion. He works on us today with sexual perversion. So, today, as we mentioned, we have the same problem, but we have technology. <laughs> We have pornography that runs rampant. We have it in our hands if we want it. It's streaming through the internet. It used to be you had to go to those temples to see that naked statue. 
or you had to go awkwardly to Circle K and mm. buy Hustler or Playboy, or you had to go into unsavory places to see ungodly things. You have an iPhone and the internet, the world is at your fingertips. Satan knows what he's doing. He is so active with it. Matter of fact, when we talk about um, you know, uh, the, the sexual temptation in the world, you know, we think, oh, Jason, well, hey, that, that, that's just for those people that are, are uh, drawn to that. There was a survey uh, of young Christian men, and they were asked, what is the number one greatest temptation that you face? 90% said sexual temptation. 90%. My guess is, the other 10%, their temptation is lying. <laughs> I was a young man, and I understand. It is 100% of all young men face sexual temptation. And you know what? That was a survey of young men. Young women face the same thing. But it doesn't stop there. It faces old men, and it faces old women as well. Maybe not as much because they've been weathered and they understand the, the dangers of it. Michelle and I, we go, I've said this before, we go to a, a son's game. We're sitting there, and you look down, halftime, half-naked women shaking their business. I don't need to see that. Nobody needs to see that. It's a huge problem, and it is pushed into our faces on a daily basis. On broadcast television, projected in 2023, it's estimated that 9,200 acts of incourse will be portrayed and 81% of them will be unmarried. 81% unmarried, I'll say all 9,200 of them don't need to be on TV, right? That's preserved for the home. We don't need to be seeing that. On cable TV and streaming, in 2023, it's going to be even worse because they don't have the restrictions as much. So Satan knows our core sexual desires. He knows how he can entrap us and how he can ensnare us. And he knows how to, to trap millions and millions and millions of men and women alike. So as we as a culture are allowing Sodom and Gomorrah into our, our world, we need to make sure that we're not allowing Sodom and Gomorrah into our homes. So please, 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 make sure that you understand the importance of restricting what comes into your heart and restricting what comes into your children's lives because it impacts your marriage and it impacts um, your future. The way that it impacts us the most is, is it leads to all sorts of problems, right? Unwanted pregnancies, diseases, pornography addictions, broken homes, broken wives, broken husbands, broken children, devastating guilt, moral disasters, all products of allowing the sexuality of ourselves to be taken in some form or fashion outside of the marriage. So right now we have two contrasts. When it is in the marriage, it is beautiful. It is good. It is something that, back in that scripture, we are to enjoy it in our youth. We are to enjoy it when we're older. It is a beautiful thing. But when taken outside of the confines of marriage, it is disastrous. So, don't call unclean what God has called uh, holy, and don't call clean what God has called sinful. So, any comments, any questions, anything on that topic? Yes, sir. You're talking about the importance of this subject, and I was thinking about how the Bible 
actually starts with this too, because in the beginning God was making things, and everything God made, He said it was good. Yep. And then marriage, He made marriage, and it says Adam and Eve knew one another. That language, knowing each other, is talking about the sexual relationship. And I think that's interesting language because it is through the sexual relationship that a husband and a wife become close and know each other. Right. They know one another. And then also, you talk about Son of Solomon. I mean, that, that also shows you how important this subject is. God devoted a whole book of the Bible to it. That's a whole book of the Bible devoted to this. Right. That lets you know right here, this is a big deal. It is. Absolutely. Don't be shy. Yes. I was going to say that I think, like, um, for men, it's really, 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 like, a hard thing that they're going to have to face. Because I know that, like, with women, I mean, we're, like, I feel like we can see stuff like that. We can really, I can really just turn it off. Like, I can be, and also the extremely graphic and, like, really, really horrible stuff for me, I can just totally... Like turn that off. Like that's not appealing. Like that's actually repulsive. It's like, right. it, but I know that like that's the programming with men is different. So we are we're very that visual. Part is probably more tempting and more appealing, and that's also like way more addictive. <clears throat> right. And the algorithms on your phone yep. um, know if you're male or female, and um, they will put things. Because I mean, I have Instagram, and like. I'm never going to see that sort of stuff on Instagram. Like, I just, not as much. Like, it, it'll pop up a little bit, but it's like, why is that, you know? And then, but I know that, like, on Nathan's phone, um, he just has, like, the news and stuff like that. And I'll get on, and I'm like, why is there, like, some, like, naked girl on this news thing? But they just, it just knows that Nathan's sure. yep. a man. Absolutely. And, because that doesn't pop up on my stuff, and I'm, I'm on social media, like, way more than sure. he is. So, um, I don't know, I just feel like men need to, like in this culture with our like sons and men, do need to get a phone that um, you can filter stuff like that out. And there's like um, a porn thing that you can get that will, so it's like a father-son type thing that you can do, and it will like notify the, the father, like if he, if something pops up and he's like looking at it, it'll notify the father and same thing with the son. So it's kind of like an accountability sure. thing. So I mean, I feel like we need to be uh, smart about stuff like that with technology. Absolutely. No, you're, you're right. And, and I, I'm glad you brought up that point because men and women are so different. Men are very visually stimulated. We're, we're stimulated in a different way than women. Not, it, it's, once again, we're speaking in generalities. Because some women are that way. But it's one of those things that we need to understand that, that Satan knows that. And we also need to understand that pornography is, uh, what's, the, what's the term? It's called a, a diminishing return. It's the law of diminishing return. You see something, you like it, you go in, you look at it. Well, then eventually that's not enough. And then you get deeper. And then you get deeper. Because that doesn't do it for you anymore. This doesn't do it for you anymore. You, this doesn't, and then all of a sudden you're so deep into it. And what happens is men and women alike, if you do that, you have unreasonable expectations of your spouse because of things that aren't real. Right. That is not real. That is choreographed. It is fake. It is false. And it's not fair to your spouse. Right. But also in the same breath, husbands and wife, if you know that your wife or your husband has desires, you need to fulfill them. 
so they don't seek it, seek it elsewhere. That is part of the design that God has put inside of us. We have a, we have a desire for that. And the one that is to fulfill that is our spouse as we will get into it a little bit deeper. Jason, oh, yes. uh, just to kind of yes. go with Allison's point, yes. she's right. I agree with her that we're men are more visual. But the women, I've done research on this, are into more of those novels. Yes. So, yeah. so the more the emotional, the more mm -hmm. like the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of yes. stuff. And that is also is just as wrong because mm -hmm. like you just said, it can put un reasonable expectations on a husband. That's true. Because the guy you're reading about has got the perfect body, he's got the long hair, he's got the best personality, and he loves cats and roses and candy. <laughs> and then you're the woman reads that and like, oh, why is my man like this? And yeah. he's not real. Right. But no, she's right. fantasizing about right. something that's not real. You're right. So that's just as the cats. No, you're, you're spot on. You had a comment, then we need to move on. Yeah, I was just I, um, I was going to kind of go back to the point that you made too about how in certain households this topic is not, it's very taboo, right? right. It's not really something that you talk about. Um, I, I think when it comes to having those conversations with your kids, it's a hard thing to do, but being very realistic, not just the mechanical, not just the like... Right. Technically, this is what is this? It's the this is how it's designed. But also, FYI, these are the challenges that at some point in life you probably will face. Mm -hmm. And having those very tough, but also very real and very vulnerable conversations with your kids, I think, can truly set them up to be successful in identifying. Okay, this is what I'm kind of facing. This is what I'm feeling. This is the situation that I'm right. in, and being able to cope with that a lot better versus painting this picture of. Maybe you did it perfectly, or everybody else did it perfectly, and no one was ever tempted, so they don't know how you feel. Right. Right? So then they don't really have someone to come to when they are in that situation. So as, as tough as that can be, I think it's also very important that we're as appropriately open with our kids as we can be about the dangers of not just maybe premarital temptations, but again, like the pornography and everything else like that that can come up for them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, two more points we got. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. I was just say going along with that, like giving them the tools to be able to talk about it with others. Sure. Especially like growing up in school and stuff, where kids nowadays are like very sexually minded, like more so maybe than they used to be. I think like arming them with the ability to talk to like their peers about that when their peers are telling them things that they're learning that they never even knew. You know. Right. No, that that's that's right on. Yeah, I mean, the cascade that you just kind of went through about needing more and then needing more and then needing more. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's an addiction. It is. Yeah. This falls into the same umbrella as being addicted to opioids or nicotine or fill in the blank. And I think sometimes we're afraid to talk about addiction. Um, but if you don't get help with it, you know, it, it can just going to continue to spiral. Um, so the the key, I think, is to kind of respond to those triggers appropriately early before that cascade begins. You know, like, like you said, there, there's things that we can control, there's things that we can't control. We can't control all the algorithms and they're going to get you, but we can control how we respond to them. Right. And we can control our friends and the situations we put ourselves in, kind of speaking probably more to the little, you know, kids at this point. Um, just be careful because it doesn't take much to, <laughs> before that cascade to start. Right. Yeah. No, 
No, you're right. You have to make the decision before it occurs. You know, like we talked about, divorce is not an option. You remember we had that conversation? We have to make a decision that if I'm presented with something, this is how I'm going to react. Quick segue, I was at work. This is a few months back. I'm at the parts department, and this probably 19 to 20-year-old girl walks by who could be my daughter, who is built phenomenally. Let's just, I'm going to be honest. She is very well built. She was beautiful. She was wearing, I don't know what you call those leotards, Lululemon, like, what, what is it? Yeah, what is that stuff? That, it, it, you, don't, you don't have to have an imagination, more or less. And she was wearing hardly anything on the top. She walks by, and I'm like, oh my, what the world? And I, I just kind of look up off to the, the, the right, because I don't want to be staring at that. As she's walking by, I'm like trapped. I'm like, oh, what in the world? So I'm looking off, and one of my sales guys comes up, Captain Morgan moment, what are you doing? You know, it, I, obviously I don't want to reference that, but that's what he said. I'm, I'm like, what? He's like, well, you're kind of looking off into this. And I'm like, I'm like well, you know, so be a girl that could have been my daughter walked by very immodestly, and I didn't want to look at it. He's like, what? Where'd she go? Obviously his mindset is different than mine, but I don't need to see that. I don't want that into my heart. So we have to make a decision before it's presented to us how we're going to respond to it. Love all the comments. Three points that we want to touch on. Three major points. God created us to bless us. Jesus said he came into the world that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So whatever guideline God give us, gives us for sex is for our good, and it leads us to a more abundant life. So with regards to our sexuality and, and our marriages and what we should say yes to and what we should say no to, we need to go to God, we need to go to the scriptures and understand what does life more abundantly mean. Obviously, it's not just talking about our sexual relationship, but it is also talking about our sexual relationships and how we are to, to move forward in those. So, so we need to understand that, that God did... Um, come so that way we can have more, more life more abundantly while on this earth and also in heaven, obviously. So we need to understand that the Bible is not here to, to suppress or be a, a killjoy, but it is to help us fulfill and have joy in our sexual relationships with our spouses. Because he created us to bless us, and, and the sexual relationship is a blessing from God. Number one. Number two, God created us to be sexual beings. Sean, you referenced it. In the beginning it said it was not good for man to be alone. He created them male and female. It goes on and it talks about they were naked and everything like that. And we'll get into that in a moment here. But it says that they were created male and female. And it was not good for us to be alone. So, so God realized that whenever man was made by himself, he needed somebody. If he would have created woman first, not to, not to change things up, but he would have said, you know what, she needs somebody. And so he made us for each other. We need to make sure that we understand that. And also, uh, there's something that's just built inside of us that craves an intimate relationship with the opposite sex. It's built into us. Satan capitalizes off of it. We need to understand that. But it is built inside of us to crave a spouse, to crave someone from the opposite sex, and also to crave the sexual relationship. So we need to understand that 
uh, your masculinity or your femininity is a part of God's design, and we not need to not get wrapped up in the thought of, of toxic masculinity and, and women and men need to be blended in their genders and all that stuff. That is Satan at work. God made us differently. God designed us differently inside with regards to how we think, with regards to how we feel about certain things, how we react to certain things, how we desire certain things. He made us different on the outside, so that way we can match together. And that is a beautiful thing. We need to make sure that we, we refute the idea that there needs to be a blending and an equaling of everything. They come at that with the idea of, well, equality means that nobody's better than each other. We don't think in the Bible that God says that one is better than the other. We are all equally children of God. We have different roles. But God made us beautifully separate and apart from each other so that way we could join together and make a beautiful relationship together <coughs> physically, emotionally, and spiritually to His glory. And we need to make sure that we, we understand that. And the third is God created sexual intimacy for a holy purpose. Can I get someone read nice and loud and clear Genesis 2, 23 and 24? Genesis 2, 23 and 24. Then the man said, At last, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay. Did yours not have the part about being naked and not ashamed? That's 25. 25. I needed one more verse on there. Can someone read 25? Can you extend it one more? I was like, what version is that? <laughs> my fault. <laughs> <clears throat> and the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Okay, thank you. That's important to my point. So I appreciate that. So it talks about leaving and cleaving, right? Which we've talked about that over our previous classes. That is so important that we leave and clean. It talks about being one flesh, which is, is the sexual uh, bonding with each other, as, all, as well as the spiritual bonding, as well as being of one mind. There's so many things that are wrapped up in that being one flesh. And... It also talks about being naked and not ashamed. And that's what I want to focus on here. It says naked and not, not ashamed. And when you think about that, it's so much more than what it is just on the surface. There was complete transparent, uh, transparency between the two of them in the relationship. They were naked. They were not ashamed. They had nothing to hide between each other. There's no guile. There's no deception. There was, there's nothing other than the two of them sinless before each other naked and unashamed. They were allowed to see and enjoy the physical differences between each of them. Right? There is a certain visual stimulus that comes from seeing the other sex. That was a blessing that was given to Adam and Eve that is a blessing that is given to us as husbands and wives. They can enjoy unhindered intimacy with each other. Uh, they weren't ashamed of anything. There was no judge judgment on, on bodies or anything like that. It was just an open uh, relationship where they could enjoy each other. Their sensitive areas were exposed without any shame or embarrassment. And, and all of this was within the confines of marriage and the bond that God put on them. So we need to understand that, that God created the sexual intimacy for a holy purpose so that way we could become one and join together because we are stronger and we are better 
in that relationship. That is how he designed us. And it's important to see the, the, the bond that ties us, which is found in Hebrews 13. Can someone read that for me? Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 4. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Okay, so it's talking about this bond that is to be respected. God talks about marriage, how it is to be held in honor, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very clear that God talks about how He will judge those who are sexually immoral, that, that take this beautiful relationship that is designed to be within the marriage that we just talked about in, in Genesis, that we are able to experience in our current lives now today, if we take it out of it, what will God do? He will judge us, right? What's interesting is that, once again, we're going to look at the transverse. The world believes there are only three words that matter when it comes to sex. Only three words that matter. Two consenting adults. If you have two consenting adults, everything is okay. That is obviously directly in contrast to what God says, right? This is, this is to be sanctified. This is to be holy. This is, is to not to be defiled. All you need is two people that say, okay, on the other side. You see the difference? That's the world that we, we are pushed out into. And we need to understand, if we don't have a grasp on the importance of understanding the, the sanctity of marriage and the sexual relationship, how the world will just strive to pull us away from that. The Bible shows that God gives us the, the gift of pleasure and it is only for the right of those who are married. And God, over and over, tells us to flee sexual immorality. He makes His will very, very clear for us. There's no way that we can't understand that. God makes it very clear that He wants us to live a sanctified life, abstaining from sexuality when it is sinful. And kiddos talking directly to you. It is shoved down your throats and it is in your face. Stand strong. It's hard, but stand strong. Because once you see something or once you've experienced something, it's hard to get that out of your mind. And like Austin mentioned, things are addictive. It is no different than taking a drug. Stand strong. So yes, we are sexual beings, but within the ordinances that God has created us and within the ordinances of our Creator. All right. What questions do you have about that? Or comments? I was thinking about uh, that scripture from Genesis 2.25, they were naked and not ashamed. Mm -hmm. Then in the next chapter, they are ashamed of being naked. Yep. What happened in between? Well, sin is what happened. Yep. When the devil came and they sinned, their eyes were open, and that's what it still does today. Yep. When people are not faithful to their spouse, when they're not respecting God's rules for the sexual relationship, that brings shame. It does. Whether it's of the husband getting caught in pornography, or getting caught with another with a secretary, or the, or the wife getting caught with somebody on her job, there's shame that comes with that. When it shouldn't be any shame if the people being faithful to each other. Absolutely. Yes, I 
think it's also important to point out that, like, in the world we live in today, it's all over the place. Like, it pops on TV, it's on billboards, it's everywhere. So if you have came across that, like, like she was mentioning how it can pop on your phone, the way you get that out of your mind is to replace it with as much of the Word of God as possible so that there's something going in that's holy to, to push out the unholy. Absolutely. So. Law of empty spaces. Yes. You got empty space, it's going to be filled with something. What are you going to fill it with? That's exactly right. You're, you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Okay. We need to understand that when we use our body for ungodly acts, we assume ownership of something that is not actually our own. So let's go to two specific verses so that way we can see and understand that. I'm going to go ahead and read it. 1 Corinthians 6. 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom, have, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. The very end of verse 19, it says, And that you are not your own. So when we say yes with our bodies, when we should say no, we are assuming control over something that belongs to God. Our bodies are owned by God. Jesus gave his life. He sacrificed for us. We are to be in his service. So when we say yes to things that are ungodly, when we should say no, we're assuming control over something that we really don't own. Right? So now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. The husband must fulfill his duties to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for time so that you may devote yourselves in prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So when you say no with your bodies, when we should say yes, we are also again assuming control over something that is not ours in this case. The point is, when you reconcile these two verses, it makes it very clear. Our body belongs first to God and His service. Our body secondly belongs to our mate. That's the only way that you can reconcile those two scriptures. And this brings us to another point. We as Christians generally only talk about one type of sexual sin. But we can see that there are two whenever we, we look at these scriptures. One, of course, giving our body to the wrong person in adultery or fornication. We're taking their body, we're giving our body to them. It's ungodly because God has said that don't do that with your body, and he, he owns our body, right? So, sexual fornication and adultery and all that, that, that's sinful, right? Well, the other, according to 1 Corinthians, is withholding your body from the right person. God's motivation for us is that we live a sanctified life, right? And if you notice that in the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5, it states the reason why. It says, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So when you keep yourself from your spouse, not only do you sin against God and them, 
you put your soul and their soul at risk of sinning because God knows that we are tempted by the world. God knows our nature. Why do you think in the Ten Commandments, one of the number one ones was, you shall not commit adultery? Obviously, he knows our nature, right? So he knows that we will be drawn to that. And he has put, in, put uh, safety nets in for us to help protect against that. And that's through our marriage. So when we, or when we deny, excuse me, when we deny our spouse over and over, we push them away. And, and then what happens is, is whenever you push your spouse away and you say no, you say no, whatever the reasons might be, they are not whole. If you are supposed to be one, but you're getting denied of the, the other half of you to make you whole, are you whole? No. I want to make sure that you understand, I'm not saying in no way is sin justified if the other person, because they're being told no, goes out and does something ungodly. But know that, that if their rightful pleasure is not being satisfied, they are going out into the daily world where women are dressed like harlots on a daily basis. Men are in the constant chase of another score. Halftime girls are dressed in skirts and, and almost nothing on top, like I mentioned earlier, earlier, shaking the parts of their body that pleasure a man. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook are just pumping, like you mentioned. Uh, Half-dressed people dancing, thrusting their bodies in sexual natures. If, if your spouse is not getting what they need, and then they go into the world and all this is just bombarding them. I am not justifying it, but you're putting them at risk because they still have those desires. So you need to understand that your body is not your own and we need to first serve God and also we need to realize that our bodies are, are our spouses. And, and through the scriptures, we need to understand that our bodies are be, to be used to glorify God through the sexual relationship. So, with that, we already talked about that. Those are the, the topics that we just discussed. Timing couldn't have been better. I wanted to open up for more questions there at the end. But uh, thank you. Sensitive subject.